Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. Has anyone ever asked you why you're a Christian, or have you ever been asked or even thought in your own mind, do I have to be born again? Can't I just be a good person and God will see my heart? I've been asked this question a lot in my life, and uh, I've even spoken to some people that said that uh, all you really need is to be a good person, and God will see your heart, and that's good enough. So the question becomes then, why must we be a Christian? And really, what does born again mean, and is it necessary to be born again? What do I have to do in order to be born again? Or more importantly, what do I have to give up? What happens if I do it? What will be the repercussions or what will happen to me? And if you're married or have kids, what will happen to my family? These are questions that most people are thinking through as the Holy Spirit begins to tug on their heart. And we'll discuss them a little bit tonight, but first let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity today to talk about you and talk about what we really are being saved from and the importance of salvation. Really, why do you have salvation for us? Lord God, we want to thank you for this opportunity. And I pray that for everyone that's listening, Lord, that they would hear your voice. You would speak to them. They wouldn't hear me. Keep me behind your cross, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we want to dig in, the first thing we have to understand is that all of us actually are sinners. And in Romans, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 3, uh, verse 23, it says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. Everyone is a lawbreaker. You know, if you lie just once, you're a liar. Just like if you murder just once, you're a murderer. And God's standard is perfection. He wouldn't be a great God if his standard wasn't perfection. So he doesn't tolerate the infractions, whether they're big or small, because his standard is perfect. Just like a judge, when you come in and you are caught on camera for committing a crime and you go through that process with a, uh, with a trial and they show it and they say, this is you. There's you smiling. Uh, there's you again with your friend. And here's your friend who testified that uh, he was there with you and that you committed that crime. We have you write down, uh, lock stock and, uh, barrel that you committed this crime. Now, if the judge is a good judge, the jury is a good jury, you'll be found guilty. And really, the only thing that you can do is throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Now, some people try to uh, corrupt the judge or bribe the judge. Uh, They might even say, uh, you know, I won't ever do it again. And the judge, if it's a good judge, will say, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't do it again. But a good judge will also make sure that you are tried and found guilty. You'll be given a penalty for what you did. And that's really important is to understand the concept that we have all sinned. We've all lied. We've all hated our brother or sister. We've all taken something, uh, whether we admit to it or not. 
no matter what the value was. A lot of people like to say when I was a kid, I did that, but they don't want to admit to the fact that they downloaded something off the internet without paying for it, like music, or um, just even using God's name in vain, which is strange because most people would never consider using their mother's name in vain or even another God's name in vain uh, in exchange for a four-letter filth word. But when we begin to really sit down and realize it, we have jealousy in our hearts and we're not perfect. And you might say, yeah, but nobody's perfect. And that's the point. Nobody's perfect. And so we need somebody, we need something to atone for the fact that we're not perfect and God is. Romans chapter five, eight through nine says that, but God commandeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The interesting thing here is that there's, uh, in the beginning, it shows that God has love towards us. So much so that even while we were in our sin, even while we were sinners, even while we were, uh, in some translations, you might end up seeing this idea of an enemy of God while we were still in a process of saying, I don't need God, that Christ died for us anyways. And importantly, uh, when you see down the end that we have been justified by his blood, you see that it says that we were saved from what? From wrath through him. So the interesting thing here that I, I, I've i missed it for years is that we're saved from the wrath of God. Because like any good judge, like any good judge, he is going to make sure that the criminal, the person committing sin, gets what they deserve. And it's his wrath against sin that we're saved from. A lot of people want to take that and say it's at his wrath against us. And while that is true, it's really the sin that's separating us from him. His standard is perfection because he's a holy and righteous God. And God knew that we needed help. He knew that we needed his intervention. And so Jesus died for us. He became the sacrifice. He's the one who stood up and said, let me do the time. In the middle of the courtroom, he asked to take our place. He died for us, and it's by his punishment that we are saved. You know, sin really angers God. He hates to see the little girl who was taken advantage of. He hates to see the elderly who were taken advantage of. He hates to see the person with hatred in their heart and jealousy who's treating and speaking to another person in such a demeaning way. He hates to see the war criminals that are abusing, killing, maiming, and destroying people in war-torn areas. He hates to see the disease in our bodies that's a result of sin coming into this world. He's upset by the people that are stealing from others and taking advantage of others. His heart is broken by even the rape and the murder that happens out there. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. 
Remember that word wages. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remember, wages is something that you earn. So it says that our sin earns us death. We all have an appointment with death. And salvation is a gift for those who want it. Salvation is a gift for those that want it through Jesus. And it's eternal life. It's salvation from that wrath against the sin that we have committed. It's against salvation from that wrath of God, that sin that we committed, but it's also eternal life that we get to have with God. In Luke 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. I want to hammer home the idea that so many people feel that they're fine just the way they way they are. Even when you talk to those that are freshly out of jail, when you talk to those that have recently committed a crime or done something wrong, they'll all say that they're fine. God knows their heart. What I find so interesting is that we all are lost. And Jesus came to save us. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, because he was speaking to Nicodemus at the time, says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it explicitly clear that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus was curious as to what does that mean to be born again? And even asked Jesus, does that mean I have to go back inside of my mother's womb and to be born again a second time? And Jesus began to explain to him, he says, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Don't be confused or shocked is what he's saying. He explicitly goes through the process and explains it says once by water and once by spirit. That the spirit of God is what you need to be born into. God will wash you clean and give you his spirit. And you'll have a new life, a new mind, and a new heart. You'll be born again. And where does it all start? It starts with understanding you're in need of salvation. It starts in understanding that you are a sinner. It starts in understanding that you are separated from God and you will not be able to be close to God once you die. And with 150,000 people dying every day, it could happen to you, no matter what your age are. You could be in a car accident. You could have a health problem. There could be any kind of accident around the house. Heart attack, stroke, even COVID. John chapter 3, 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, 
but he that believeth not is condemned already. Remember that. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 18 is important. I'll read it again. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So God loves you and he wants to save you from punishment. He wants to save you from eternal separation from him. And so he created a way for you to be saved and avoid hell and eternal punishment, to avoid eternal separation from him, which if he's light and he's love and he is peace, those are things that you want in your life. And you want those things forever as opposed to being in darkness and in chaos surrounded by hatred to have no peace John chapter 5 verse 24 verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life These are Jesus' words, not mine. He's saying that if you hear his word and you believe on Jesus Christ, and you believe in the Father that has sent him, and believe the words of what Jesus says, you have the opportunity to repent from your sins, which means to turn around and walk the other way to be forgiven and to walk into a life that you've never experienced before, something brand new. Your light, the, the light that you will see will be the first time you've ever seen it. The peace that you experience will be the first time that you've ever experienced it. The blinders will be removed from your eyes and from your ears And as the Holy Spirit envelops you, you'll begin to see things the way that God sees them. And you'll begin to hear his voice. The word of God will suddenly become something way more meaningful to you. So today you've heard the gospel. All you have to do is believe. If you believe in Jesus as your Savior... You will pass from death to life. You have to place your trust in Jesus and not in yourself. You see, we're tempted. We're tempted to try to save ourselves through good works. If you remember in the beginning, why can't I just be a good person? If I just do good things or help others, that will be good enough. But if you try that in a court of law, yeah, I know you have me on camera. Yes, I shot the guard. I know one died. I shot somebody else who was in the bank and I stole all the money. But I'm a good person. And after I left there, I helped an old lady cross the street. I donated a bunch of the money to good charities. I've done good things. It just doesn't wipe out the sin. 
And it's not the standard of a holy and perfect God. So just like you would put a parachute when you're about to jump out of a plane, we have to put our trust in Jesus. If you don't have a parachute, you'll likely hit the ground going 120 miles an hour or so. It only takes about 12 seconds or to go 1,500 feet and fall. And in those 12 seconds, you'll wish you had had a parachute on. But if you put on your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation, just like you're putting on that parachute, when you jump from an airplane, or in this case, when we die, we will have the confidence, the trust, and the faith that we placed in him of where we're going to go. I'm trying today to explain to you that we're all on the same journey. We're all on a plane that's going to crash. All of us. We're all going to hit the ground at some point. We're all going to pass. It happens every single day to our relatives, to our friends, to our friends' relatives. Sometimes even we end up having accidents that are near-death experiences. And what I'm trying to say is take this parachute. I'm trying to help you by scaring you a little bit, hanging you out over the door and say, look, the plane is going down. The ground is coming up. I have a parachute for you. Just please consider it. You know, some people often are concerned because they feel like by surrendering their life to God and saying that or choosing Jesus as their Lord and Savior will somehow reduce their experience with life and that they won't end up having a great life and that they'll have to give up so many enjoyable things. What they really want is they want to be able to take the parachute and they want that parachute to make the rest of the ride on that plane more enjoyable. But it doesn't. That's not the point of the parachute. The point of the parachute isn't to make your carnal life better. But the minute that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we get something much better than an improvement in our carnal life. And I want to get into that in a minute. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other way but Jesus. Jesus is truth and life. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So there is no other prophet, no other God, no other way that you can be saved. All other religions will push you into being a good person to be saved. Reincarnation. If you just follow all the rules, give the alms to the poor, pray a certain amount of times, say this, do that. As long as you've done those things and committed to those actions, 
completed these tasks and been more than 50% good, you'll be saved. All other religions say that. But it's clear in the Bible that Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there is no other way. And that we must be saved, not by our own good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, It's for by grace that ye are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, I did this and I did that and I'm saved. No, it's by grace. And grace is unearned favor. It's unmerited favor. It's something that God gives to you and shows to you that you did not deserve. And it's not by your works or how good you are. God will not be bribed. He will not be bribed by your actions or by your good works, by your good deeds. But it's by his grace and through faith. It is a gift that you receive. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it's with the heart that a man believeth unto righteousness and it's with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. God looks at your heart You have to confess it with your mouth and God will know your heart if you believe and place your trust in Jesus. Believe that he was resurrected. Believe in the power that God has to bring a new life, a new life into Jesus's body and into your life. Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call out to Jesus, Lord, please save me. Help me. I need to repent of my sins. I want to go the other way. He will save you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured, which means help or given aid to thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's important for you to remember that you could die at any time. But more importantly, every day that goes by without you completely surrendering your life to God. And maybe you're somebody who gave their heart to Jesus, but never understood that it was about sin. And your life is still a mediocre life, full of sin, full of compromise, without a true relationship with Jesus. Maybe you had what you think was a conversion, but nothing really changed in your life. I'm telling you right now, don't wait. Call out to God. You are not promised tomorrow, but today is the day. No matter what the cost is, don't take God's gift for granted. It's important. This is the most important decision of your life. And every single day with Jesus is better than the last year, two, three, four without him. The peace that you end up having, the confidence and the assurance of a life beyond this life, the ability to hear God and watch him change you from the inside out. You know, you don't have to feel anything special. 
God honors a sincere heart. All you have to do is take that step of faith. You say, I'm going to put on that parachute. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Hebrews chapter 10, 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So here, I will give you something to say. If you don't know exactly what to say, but tonight I want you to call out to God. Dear God in heaven, and I want you just to say your name. I, and I'll say Julian, ask you to come into my heart right now to forgive me from all of my sins by the shedding of the blood of your dear son, Jesus Christ. With all of my faith that I have, I now take you as Lord and Savior of my soul forever. Thank you for coming into my life and making me a newborn child of God, a Christian. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what happens now? Now that you are in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Share your testimony with others. Get baptized. Join a church that is Bible-focused and Christ-centered. Don't just join a building with a group of believers. Get a Bible, a physical Bible, and read your Bible daily. Get to know God. Spend time talking with God and pray as often as possible all throughout the day in the little things and in the big things and let God heal you up. Find a good a group of brothers or sisters that meet and encourage each other and look for opportunities to bear fruit. Look for good works that God is opening before you. Follow Jesus's commandments and look for ways to help others. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you be obedient and overcome temptation. And ask God for deliverance from any addictions that you've had in your previous life. He is faithful. And finally, worship God and be thankful anytime and every time you can, even in the tough times. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity tonight. And I pray for anyone that heard this that needed it, Lord, that you will work a mighty miracle in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just fill my heart with your love Help me share it with my brothers Help me show them you're the one And beside you there's no other
This has been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information, go to cominghomeministries.net.